This is your host, Vernon Terrell with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. Well, aren't you glad that the election, at least for the state of Georgia, uh, the the uh, runoff is over, and whether your person won or not, uh, it's over. And hopefully the political uh, robocalls, at least for a time, are over. That's amazing. And uh, now, as we said in an earlier podcast, uh, we need to come together. And uh, we need to come together as Paul, and we're going to read about this a little bit, uh, come together in love one to another. That's what it's about. And I love when I, when I read the New Testament and I read the letters that Paul wrote, there is so much here. Uh, and especially as uh, I am uh, ramping up to launch Work Untangled, which again, if you want to know more, just email me, let me know. Uh, that is going to be just an exciting uh, launch when we get that uh, going, and it's coming up fast. But uh, it really is a passion of mine because of all the work that I, I did in corporate America for 30 years. And uh, you know, I was in corporate America, but I also built and ran my own ministry uh, for 25 years concurrently. And uh, having that corporate uh, America uh, experience and leading uh, small teams, large teams, small dollars, billions of dollars of portfolio, it is uh, it's a, it was a great experience. And I remember when I was growing up and uh, I accepted Christ uh, at 15 years old, and I remember uh, as I'm uh, you know, my family was not uh, a uh, a uh, Christian family. It was a g- great family, um, but they weren't believers at that time, and uh, they thought I was like wacko. As I'm uh, got saved at 15, and I'm preaching at 16, and uh, they didn't even, they wouldn't drive me to church. Uh, they didn't know what was going on, so I rode my Murray spray painted orange Murray bike, 10 speed bike, uh, from Sandy Springs to Dunwoody. Uh, to church, and uh, that's in my three-piece suit, by the way. Learned very quickly, I better rubber band my pants leg, or uh, I'm going to have pretty greasy pants legs as I get there. But uh, I remember those days, and I remember going to college and saying, yeah, I want to go to Bible college, and my parents are like, nope, that's not going to happen. You're going to, and they went to Georgia Tech, and they said, no, you're going to the University of Georgia probably because that was the only place I could get in. Uh, <laughs> I think they knew, yeah, tech's probably not where you're going to land. But uh, nowadays, I don't know if I could get back into UGA. Uh, but I was there back in the uh, in 1980 when we first won our national championship, and now we've got another one under our belt at uh, University of Georgia. But I was there thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'll get through this go there, and then I uh, was asked by my old church to come and be the youth pastor 
uh, part-time. So I transferred from there after two and a half years to Georgia State, lived with my grandmother and thinking, okay, I'll get my degree and then I'll go and be on my own and I'll just get, you know, go to a, a master's Bible. And well, then I had to pay bills and I got in the workforce and I never stopped. And I said, you know, as the Lord was working, I'll just, I'll start my own ministry and get trained under different uh, folks, which I did. And uh, it was a great journey. And I think the Lord had me on that journey to really um, be able to impact the workplace, to impact folks in the workplace, to share God's love in the workplace. And so I have a passion. So Work Untangled that we're launching is really a huge passion of mine. And when I read 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, this is very practical. And, and that's what uh, the podcast is about on Walking Free. Our tagline uh, is to stop talking and start walking. And certainly there's a time to stop walking and, and start talking, especially when you need to see a counselor. Stop. Let's talk it through. Let's, let's understand what's going on. But for so many, it's, a, it's time to stop talking about being kind to your family and extending grace to that person at work and uh, being holy. And well, walk in it because you are. And we walk in it by appropriating what Christ has already done, understanding the truth of our identity, practicing forgiveness, walking in this of entrusting myself to the one who loves me so much. Well, let's read what Paul said as he's writing to these folks in Thessalonica. And he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, finally, it's like this breath of air, exasperation. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, parenthetically, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. And he'll use that phrase again later on. But he says, look, we told you how to walk and please God. We, we, we've taught you that. And you're doing it. We want you to keep on doing that. Keep on walking. And say, okay, well, let's hear some more, Paul. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, oh, commandments. I can wrap my head around that. Something to do. And by the way, doing is not a dirty word, even in the exchange life and grace community. Doing is not a dirty word. We always say we need to be, not do. Well, yes, we need to understand and be and receive. And that should result, though, in doing what we believe. And Paul says in verse 3, this is the will of God. I love that. You want to know what the will of God? Here it is. This is the will of God is how he starts. Verse 3 of chapter 4 in First Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, your 
sanctification, your holiness. It's like, what you know, you know that's not a to-do. That statement is a, just a truth. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, your holiness. How was that will accomplished? By the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you received Christ, your old self, your old man, your old woman died, was buried, and you were raised up a brand new creation. You were sanctified, made holy in Christ. And he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, here it is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Why? To be sanctified? No, it's because that's your sanctification, your holiness. This is what it looks like. Abstain, and he's addressing some specific issues here, ab- abstain from sexual immorality. He says, hold off from that stuff. It's like stay away, back up, back away from sexual immorality. And he, and he clarifies even more that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Why? Because that's the kind of vessel that you are. You are a vessel created in holiness and righteousness and purity. Your abstaining doesn't make you the vessel. You're the vessel. And possess that vessel in the way that it's already been designed in holiness, in sanctification, and in honor. That's in respect, in reverence. Learn to respect you. Some people have a hard time with that. They get into all this mess and they're not respecting themselves and respecting the new creation that God has done in them. You know, if we don't respect ourselves, we are subject to a whole lot of mess. It's hard to respect other people if we don't respect ourselves and hold this vessel. By the way, that's often it's this physical body that is the vessel of the the new spirit, the new heart, the new spirit. And yes, God loves that vessel of yours. Your body isn't evil. God has transformed you. And he wants to keep that spirit, soul, and body in sanctification blameless. And by the way, it is because all your sin has been taken care of at the cross doesn't mean you don't have the capability to commit a sin, but all of it's covered already. That's forgiveness. Paul says, I want you to possess your vessel in sanctification because that's the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness. That's his will. He's created you as holy. He's already sanctified you. Now possess your vessel that way. Here's what it looks like. Back away from sexual immorality. Possess that vessel of yours in holiness, sanctification, and respect. 
And he gives the flip, not the flip side, not in lustful passion. Like the Gentiles who don't know God, you know God. You know him. He's transformed you. So hold your vessel, possess that vessel with respect. Not in this lustful passion. Like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so first you have to respect yourself enough to restrain and hold back and don't uh, possess that vessel in this lustful passion. And often we get in this, this strong desire and lustful passion because we've been deceived. And James talks about that. That's what my book is about. Stop fighting and start living it's, uh, it's understanding this idea of temptation. And the tempter comes normally with the same thing he, he started in the garden, with doubting God, doubting God's goodness, doubting God's provision, questioning God's design. Did God really say this? See, that's when our lustful passion really, we get, we think that something out there is going to meet our need for, for security or for value. Something out there is going to really make us whole or make us complete. If only I had that. And it stirs up this doubt and we start to look outside of what God's already done in us and through us in Christ. See, the Gentiles or those outside of Christ, they don't know God. He says, so you need to possess your own vessel first, respect yourself and who God made you to be. But verse 6 then says, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. Because the Lord is the avenger in all these things just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, don't go hurting your brother just because you haven't even learned how to respect yourself and the person God made you. See, verse 7, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. God called us in holiness, when we received Christ, we were placed in him and we were placed in holiness, in righteousness, in forgiveness. God didn't call us for the purpose of impurity. That's not, that's not his will. He called us inside of holiness. So it starts there. It starts with knowing who we are and understanding the transformation that's happened in us. And as we learn that, we can say, whoa, that port of call of lustful passion doesn't fit my vessel. I'm going to avoid that port. So I'm going to stay away from that port and I'm going to dock right in holiness. Because, well, that's my vessel. I have a vessel of holiness and it docks just perfectly in this dock of holiness. So God doesn't call us to dock in a port of impurity. He says, man, 
man, dock over here, rest over here, walk over here in holiness and sanctification. He who rejects this, verse 8, it's not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And then in verse 9, he says, now as to the love of the brethren, he goes, you got this one. You, you really got this one. You have no need for anyone to even write to you about this. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. We are called in holiness to, to possess our vessel in holiness and to love one another. Don't even need to hear that one. But he says, for indeed, in verse 10, you practice this toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But Paul says, I'm urging you more, more love. Excel still more in this love. You already got it. In fact, you're practicing it. Go overboard. If I'm going to get out of balance on anything, I want to get out of, ba get out of balance on grace and love. If you need to be accused by anyone of something, be accused of loving too much, of excelling in love, excelling in his grace, extending his grace and his forgiveness. Be known for that. That's what I want to urge you to do in this crazy political uh, climate. Excel in love even more. In this crazy world that we live in of political correctness, Excel in grace. Excel in not having to put your point across. Excel in just being quiet and listening. Excel in, uh, in extending that grace and love. Don't know what that means for you. But you ask God, how do I walk that out? Ask the Lord to show you what does it look like to walk in love And Paul says in verse 11, he says, make it your ambition. This is your drive. This is your goal. Goals are good. Nothing wrong with goals. Here's an overall goal that Paul says to, to the folks that he's writing to. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Now that's interesting, is it not? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Live quietly. In what context? Live quietly while you're loving those around you. Remember in Paul's day, in a society that didn't have a Kroger or a Trader Joe's or a Publix or a Whole Foods or an Ingalls or whatever your grocery store of choice, they didn't have one on every corner. It was, a, it was survival mode. It was literally finding your daily bread. You didn't have your nice refrigerator and freezer to store your food. And when you're out loving uh, others, often that was helping them physically with food or with shelter. The basics, it was extending mercy to the ostracized. 
He goes, excel. That's how they changed the world. That's how they turned the world upside down. It was counterculture. It's kind of, you know, we're, it, it's kind of modernized today. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just a good human thing to do. That wasn't really the, the understood way back in the first century. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life of what? Of loving, of walking in holiness. Lead a quiet life, not for fame or glory or fortune. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business. Attend to your own business. Mind your own business, as my parents would say. But it's not really that because he's, he's, uh, uh, Paul was writing above that we're out to, we need to love the brethren, get out and love others. That's a very active thing. We're to be, um, we're to, to possess our vessel in sanctification and not go and not defraud our brother that uh, uh that word uh defraud is this uh idea of taking advantage of somebody don't take advantage of others and so when he says to lead a quiet life he's saying doing all this do all this without the fanfare make it your ambition to lead a quiet life of love and purity and hope and kindness Attending to your own business. Working with your own hands. Work. Don't expect others to provide for you. Get out. If you're able to work, go work. And I know it can be hard with, with the economy the way it is today. Sometimes finding employment can be challenging. Or we look at employment and say, well, that's beneath me. You know what? Find work. Pay your bills. Do something where you can earn your living. And then if you can better yourself, go for it. Absolutely. But lead a quiet life. Attend to your own business. Work with your hands. And he's saying that don't be idle don't be idle. Go out and work with your own hands. A lot of times we think, oh, my goal is retirement. No, for Paul, he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attending your own business and still working. And if that means volunteering and serving, whatever, working. You know, Netflix binging is fine or binging the chosen. I love that kind of binging, right? If you haven't watched the chosen yet, get the chosen app, your favorite device and watch it's amazing it's awesome highly encourage that but you know and that's good benching that but don't make that your uh, ambition to be a binge watcher get out and work something contribute it's good for your mental health by the way when you're out there attending to your own business quietly leading a life of love and holiness He says, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders, so that you will will walk properly. 
So when they look at you, they go, wow, yeah, that's pretty cool what they're doing. They're doing, they're doing something. They're making a difference. So that we will walk properly toward outsiders. And isn't that interesting? That's still our uh, the, the mindset that Paul's trying to encourage us to have an outsider view. How can I love those outside of the faith? How can I love those outside of my circle? How can I provide for others? Well, if you're working, you have something to give, right? Because he continues so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. So that you will be sufficient. You're providing for yourself and you can provide for others. As you and he started this whole this whole uh, portion of the letter with possessing your vessel in sanctification. So that as you learn to possess that your vessel and sanctification and honor, learning, knowing when to restrain and back away from certain ports of call that are saying, hey, come over here. No, I'm going to dock, dock my vessel over in this other dock that really fits me, who I am in Christ. But that is so I can behave and walk in holiness toward those who may not know Christ. And I can minister to them and not take advantage of them by walking in love toward them. And as I work with my own hands and I provide for the needs of myself and my family, I can have something to give to those in need. And I'm not in any need looking to others to help me. I'm trusting Christ to work through me as I work with my own hands. I want to encourage you that work is a good word, that doing is a good word. And God wants you to do, and that doing may look like walking in holiness, walking in love, doing a work that you can get some money and financial security in returns. Doesn't mean you look to it, but there's nothing wrong with money either. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. I encourage you to get some. It's a nice thing. As the Lord allows, work. As the Lord allows, give. So that you can be... You can be that one who is used of the Lord to provide for another. You know, when I I set aside money out of my account, I just call my giveaway fund. And I mentioned this before, I believe. But I set aside a little bit of money every month into this savings account. And it's called, literally on my uh, account, it's called my giveaway fund. And it's not for my tax-deductible gift, which I give uh, on a regular basis somewhere else. But it's, oh, someone's in need. Okay, I can write them a check or give them cash or Venmo them $100 or $200 or $300. It's my giveaway fund. When I see something in need where, as my church would say, I can do for one that I wish I could do for everyone. Well, that's what I want for you. 
I want to encourage you today that, as Paul said, finally, let me exhort you on how you ought to walk and to please God. Well, did you know that you are already pleasing to him? And your behavior pleases him when you walk as the brand new person that he created you to be. And God's not out there with a list looking at who's naughty and who's nice. The Father says, you know what? In Christ, all your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. They're thrown away as far as the east is from the west. That's not what this is about. This is walking empowered. Empowered through the power of Christ in you. And that's what you want. That's what you really want. And so I'm telling you, how do you walk and please God? First of all, understand who he created you to be, the brand new you. Understand that. Understand that you are forgiven. Nothing uh, left is owed. You don't owe God anything because he's paid it all. You can rest now. Don't be taken by the lies out there by the enemy who wants to tempt you that something is missing. It's not because all your needs are supplied in him. So this is how you walk and please God. I hope that the Lord was able to speak to your heart in just one of these little random thoughts and that you will seek the Lord on how you can just stop talking about it and literally, actually, and in every other way, start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.